Welcome to On The Bubble Podcast, episode 43. I'm your host, Sabasa J. Ueda, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. Today, we will be inviting 9th place Canadian National 2023 competitor Eric Kilback onto the podcast to discuss how to draft Bolton in Monarch. Eric, welcome to the pod. Do you have any any socials you want to shout out, actually? <laughs> I think it's so funny that I'm being described as 9th place Canadian I mean, I was. It's just like nobody cares. <laughs> like no, like ninth can be twenty fifth. Like nobody cares about ninth place. Yeah, no. I'm. My name's Eric. I've been playing Flesh and Blood about two years now. Um, this is the first collectible card game I've played. Uh, I'm I play another card game called Android Netrunner that I've been pretty competitive. I'm playing that for about ten years. But uh, I moved to Vancouver, and when I moved, I picked up Flesh and Blood. So I've been been playing flesh and blood for about two years and i'd say i take the game pretty competitively we have like i have like a group of friends like my friend ian smith like he taught me the la battle hardened uh in june and like we did a bunch of testing together and like we try and win win pro quests and otns and we both we all love drafting like i love drafting i draft a ton of every set i draft often with jay and yuki i'm one of the people who like goes to the local armories and drafts with them so they're the people I often end up showing up in their stories. Ian or me or Eli show up in their stories as unnamed player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is kind of true. Also, nope, uh, it, it blanked on me. It blanked on me. Go ahead, Yuki. So, important question, Eric. Um, preferred format, draft or CC? Um, oh, man, that's such a great question. I think I like construction constructed more in the long run i feel like i like exploring and novelty and like learning and understanding and it feels like in a constructed format things can like really shift and evolve over time so like i've played a bunch of formats where like I, even the past format which i liked i felt like we started and i felt like lexi was like just obviously the best deck and then there was like a lot of like development and then she wasn't the best deck and then by the end, I felt like it got really solved. And it was like, okay, Lexi's actually just disgusting. Um, like, you should just play Lexi. So it, it felt like there was a nice sort of, like, evolution over time. And, like, I think I, I do really love drafting. I also think draft sets are really hard to design. And they just naturally have a bit of a shelf life in the sense that I think draft formats are always, like, fundamentally imperfect. And designing a draft format that is going to be played like by an individual person like over a hundred times and then still be like like really skill testing or like it can still be skill testing, but like I think draft formats can just get solved um and solved in a way that's like really unsatisfying and so for that reason, like I think if I could like only play one, I'd just play c c forever, but like I'm lucky to live in a meta that like plays a bunch of draft and a bunch of c c so like we have a c c army and a draft army every week. I also like, but the thing I like about the draft formats is you can just spend a lot of time like working on them and solving on them and they're like crackable puzzles. So like I spent a bunch of time with my team working on Outsiders and then Outsiders was kind of like done. We all of us, like who, all of us who like wanted to top eight our RTNs, our top four our RTNs, like we all got our Nats invites by like through draft. Felt really good. And then it was like Monarch was announced for Nats. And then so it's like, okay, we're going to play Monarch. And I kind of like that. I like the fact that like we're getting, we're going to get more draftable sets because I think like a draft set probably shouldn't be played for like more than four months. Um, and that seems to be the cadence we're getting every four months. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I've often kind of felt like um, for all the flack that Uprising got, it was actually a pretty okay format. 
but it just stayed around for way too long. And like you said, it does kind of have a shelf life and people do kind of get a little tired of it after a while. So I think everything you said makes sense. Yeah, it's like I really I played a ton of Uprising. I really like like I had a lot of fun playing Uprising, but like I probably drafted Uprising close to like 50, 60 times. And I'm just like, this sucked. <laughs> like I don't want to play I, I don't want to draft Uprising anymore. Especially because compared to like comparatively like outsiders, which I felt like didn't really get that solved and also was like more complicated than Uprising. By the end of Uprising, I think like everyone in Vancouver just felt that like obviously like a, you could be a Phi and a five five pod and still like go three oh often um which is just like so warping <laughs> yeah and it's always yuki that's not on fi she's either on dromai or Icelander trying to beat the fi players oh man oh, that sounds so accurate yeah why why uh why force fi when i can just force icelander instead yeah because fi is way more efficient <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to play it ever again like i don't have to play it for a long time so i kind of miss uprising i just like I feel like I want to draft that set again, like, maybe, like, ten more times. Honestly, I'm, like, not tired of any of the draft formats yet. Like, when I was playing Magic, I would draft the set, like, clearly over, like, a hundred times and, like, still feel pretty good that I can draft it more times. I think my most drafted set was uh, Dragons of Tarkir, and I wouldn't even be surprised if I drafted that set, like, 400 times. I, I think there are some flesh and blood sets I'd like to draw. Like, I, I want to draft Toa again. Especially since in the post Briar Arata world, I think that set is really interesting. And, like, Briar is a lot closer to Oldham and Lexi in terms of power now. Um, but there's some sets I don't want. Like, I don't want. I, I can't stand drafting Arcane Rising. Uh, <laughs> it's like, that's like. The amount of times I have. Someone's been like, oh yeah, I f-, like they flip up induction chamber, and then you just like <laughs> in your heart that you can't win is like too many times for me to be like, I like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wish induction chamber was a majestic in that set just so it showed up a little bit less often because yeah, it is. Uh, like you get rolled by Luminaris Prism too, right? Like Lumin, like a lot of heroes just can't deal with Luminaris Prism, but Luminaris Prism doesn't work against Levia, and is an M, so you're only seeing it like 1 in 10, 1 in 15 drafts or something. But, God, it felt like Induction Chamber was like every three drafts someone flipped an Induction Chamber. You're like, this sucks. Honestly, the best case scenario for Induction Chamber was a non-Dash player opened it and cuts it from the Dash player. Yeah, but people don't cut. Like, people, sometimes, <laughs> like, I've had Induction pass to me, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's fair. All right. Should we move into the main topic? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, Bolton, just going to remind everybody of his text. Bolton is a light warrior, and in draft, he has 20 life. His text says, if you've charged this turn, your attacks get plus one while defended by an attack action card. Um, This is weapon attacks and attack actions that get buffed. And then he has an attack reaction that says, banish a card from Bolton's soul, target attack with power greater than its base gets go again. Uh, Notably, while the first ability does enable the second ability, you can still attack react on any card, even if you haven't charged that turn to get go again, so long as it has higher power than its base. And then 
maybe just going over Bolton's weapons as well. He has two of them, Hatchet of Body and Hatchet of Mind. They're essentially the same card. Uh, they both have a once per turn action, pay one resource attack, um, and then they attack for two. They also have the text that if you've attacked with the other hatchet before it, they get plus one until end of turn. So the first hatchet will be two, the second hatchet will be three as the baseline. And um, it doesn't really matter the order that you swing them in, that, that will always be the case. So they're they're kind of the same card. Can, can I just say a couple things about the ID? Yeah, sure. So the ID is actually like a couple really interesting rules, interactions, and, and things that aren't obvious. So the first is what does actually charge mean? Um, putting a card into your soul is legally distinct from charging, even though it's the same like physical action. So, for example, Halo, Halo of Illumination, um, you're allowed to pay a resource to um, put a light card into your soul. Like, put a card into your soul, and if it's a light card, you draw a card. Um, that if you do that on your turn, you will not be considered charged. Like you will not have considered charged a card into uh, into your soul. Um, the only way you can charge is with the Light Warrior cards that have the bold charge ability. Um, I've seen people like try and put cards in their soul and then be like, my attacks get plus one. And it's like, that's not how it works. The other thing to note is that Bolton's, um, the second half of that first sentence, your attacks get plus one while defended by an attack action card. It's worth noting that this also applies to the axes. So it's all attacks. It's not not just attack action cards. And then the things that it's only attack actions that give the plus one, which obviously non-attacks apply, but it's also worth noting that there are defense reacts and attack reactions in the set that also just turn off. That also you can like put in front of a Bolton card, Bolton attack and not give the plus one. The attack reaction has an interesting rules interaction. So what, what can happen to you as Bolton? You play a via the Vanguard or any or any attack that has a base like base um, base attack higher than its uh, sorry attack higher than its base, and your opponent uh, you try and um, attack react to give the attack go again, and they play a blinding beam on your attack to uh, make its strength equal to a lower than its base. So what will happen in that case is your the blinding beam is an instant. So the blinding beam will resolve. Then we'll check the attack reaction. It, it will resolve, but you won't get go again because it checks basically like when it's resolving on the stack. There's a couple of interesting things about that. The first is that because of how attack reacts and defense reacts, they kind of take on the role of instance. You can actually attack react in response to the blinding beam being played. So imagine if we attack react. This sorry, is this too complicated? No, 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 it's good. So what happens is. The Bolton player is going to start by attack reacting first because they have priority. It's their, it's their turn. They have priority. If they don't attack react first, you can just open pass your defense react into them and they won't be able to give a go again. So they have to open attack react. And then you play the blinding beam. And then the Bolton player can attack react in response to the blinding beam. And then what happens is the first, the second Bolton activation will resolve before the blinding beam resolves. Give a go again. Then the blinding beam will blinding beam will resolve and then the first Bolton um, activation will resolve and it will do nothing because A, it already is go again but B, it doesn't mean it's condition. It's worth noting that because of how the sentence is structured, it's banish a card from Bolton's soul colon. The, the banishing the card is a cost. So if I go Bolton activation banish a card from soul then blinding beam, then Bolton again, I will have had to banish two cards from my soul. This is like kind of niche, but I think that 
some people will tell you that Blinding Beam is a good card versus Bolton, and I've I've kind of come full circle around on this to like actually think it's not very good versus Bolton, but it's just worth knowing that that is basically the interaction between Bolton's ID ability and Blinding Beam. Uh, I think that's it. Sorry, that was a bit wordy. No, that's good. That's a complete description of basically the interaction between those two cards, and it's honestly the most common interaction, like. At least for me, I play a lot of Prism with Blinding Beams. Uh, and I'll say this right now. It's still worth it to play Blinding Beam, I think, because you get rid of two soul from Bolton. Mm-hmm. They take Now they need to recharge for one extra turn, which might be just enough to like push them push them low enough so they have to block. Yeah, I think it's like definitely good. It's just not like the Bolton player basically has agency. It's not just like a complete Stone Cold blowout. Um, the Bolton player can just banish from, which sometimes they won't be able to, and then it is a stone cold blow. But like I remember, like I was playing against you, and I had my V turn, and you stuffed it with blinding beam. And like looking back on it, if I had known that I could banish again, I would have just had a regular V turn. It would have been fine. Yes, uh, yes. I think like one of the other problems is that like because the blinding beam interaction is strongest on the via the Vanguard turn, it's also just the worst from the Blinding Beam player's perspective, because they'll have charged multiple cards in the soul that turn, so they probably have the extra soul to give the, you know, the V of the Vanguard multiple go-agains. Yeah, that's fair. For me, the big deciding factor on if I want to bring in Blinding Beam or not is however how many other resource outlets I have. So in particular, if you have like two pieces of Ironhide and a Blinding Beam, that ends up actually being pretty good because not only can you force multiple cards with soul, or out of their soul, but then you can do something like put two iron hides in front of something, block for four, and those are not attack actions, so they also don't increase the power. So when you when you can do that, it feels really good. But if you're pitching an entire card to blinding beam, it's it's maybe a less a little less exciting. The notable the only like really I would consider like notable thing about the axes is that in the format, it is the only weapon that doesn't fatigue you out. So Chain's weapon technically doesn't, the Galaxy Black, but I think for the purposes of analysis, the soul, sac- the soul shackles mean you actually just do. You can't like adopt a strategy of like all blocking and then like swing galaxy black for one is like terrible. <laughs> um, but like the soul shackles are just gonna um, get you. But in uh, in Levia, the meat axe is doing like uh, I call it fatigue damage, but it's dealing you one fatigue damage by putting you a card from your deck into your graveyard. And then Bolt and Prism doesn't have a weapon. So Bolton is actually unique in the format in the sense that he's the only one with like a standard weapon that like in theory, if our if we had like infinite cards in our deck, we could just swing the axe over and over again and win. You won't have infinite cards, but it's like it's a good thought experiment to think about like what is your actual win condition. And you can just like swing the axe like ten times in like really, really grandy games and kill someone. That's fair. I think one last thing I just wanna note about the axes. Is you're technically allowed to play two Hatchetta bodies or two Hatchetta minds. Just uh, if you're playing in a higher level event, just just make sure that you have two different axes when you when you you know go for hero reveal. Actually, not hero reveal when you reveal all your equipment. Yeah, good good point. They do have different art as well, so they're pretty easy to spot. So, anyways, talking about his axes and how they're kind of unique in the format as a weapon, and he can kind of win these long grindy games by leaning on his axes, kind of in fatigue situations. That kind of ties us nicely into the gameplay section. What type of hero do you think Bolton is in Monarch draft, and and how does he how does he tend to play, or like what types of what types of game plans does he have available to him? 
I hate this term, but I, I broadly characterize him as mid-range. He doesn't have the hallmarks. Like, he doesn't have the tools to be a super aggressive deck, like some of the arcane damage chain decks can be, where, like, they spring to, like they're just like, okay, I'm going to play a Rift of Torment, and then, like, a Piercing Shadow Vise, or I'm going to, like, string together these turns where, like, I play two Blood Deck cards plus a strong generic. Bolton's, like, turns can be very on and off sometimes, because you have to manage the cards in your soul. So I think in that way, he ends up being mid-range with sort of like a sprinkle of combo on the side. The reason I would characterize him as combo is he has access to like some of the highest damage turns in the game outside of Chain. Uh, so he gets to play via the Vanguard. He also gets to play Spillblood. He gets to play Gallantry Gold. <laughs> he just gets to play all of these Anthem effects. Anthem effects are really good <laughs> uh, in, in draft, in my opinion, especially like the longer you can extend your chain links out. And because Bolton has two weapons, like you often do get to extend your chain links out. The other notable thing about Bolton is he's basically all block threes. The only block twos you have to play are some of the light cards and generics, but like all of your class cards block for three. And you often can get a lot of, like it's ni- what's nice is all the warrior cards, for example, block for three, which is really nice. So your blocking game plan's pretty solid, especially into the mirror where like you get to play all these non-attack warrior cards that block for three into Bolton and decline- deny him the value of the uh, plus one charge. So I think that's broadly how he play. That's broadly like what I would describe him as type in terms of how does he actually play in the draft? I think it entirely depends on the threats you have in your deck. So when I sit down as a Bolton player, I'm like, okay, what are my like powerful turns look like in this deck? So, okay. Like, do I have a V the Vanguard? Do I have a spill blood? Do I, like, am I going to try and set up like a dusk path pilgrimage gallantry gold turn? Is my powerful turn going to be like swinging an adrenaline rush you know, into a, like a charge card, into adrenaline rush. Like, how many take flights do I have? Like, can I set up, you know, take flight into card, into card? Like, how, how many longer turns can I actually string out? And mixing that up with blocking turns where I'd like block two cards and charge, or block two cards and charge. And also trying to get equity from the axes. So that that's broadly how I would describe is like his play pattern is like turns that are off turns where you want to block and then charge. And then turns where you're willing to take damage and just like present these like longer chain links that use the cards in soul to basically extend and do more damage. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I agree that he kind of has this ramp up time. And then when he has his soul and he has the right combination of cards, he can really do some powerful stuff. And it's and it's very hard to block because of his ability essentially like reducing your opponent's ability to block. So you kind of mentioned that it depends on some of the threats in your deck you think that there are multiple archetypes of Bolton that are like leaning towards certain types of threats over others? Or is it really just about understanding the resources available in your deck and you can kind of mix and match them? I used to think there were two archetypes. But like, so broadly, I think there's the like value Bolton plus combo where we play like just the good reds. We try and play as many take flights as we can and blues. And then our plan is to like play a take flight into a Stoony, Wooten Hog, or play a take flight into a Surging Militia, or play a take flight, or play Adrenaline Rush into, like, a, cr- a red cross, the line that isn't charged. Like, just presenting, like, these, like, good damage turns um, that are extended out. And then you also, like, in that deck, you can also play the Vs and the Spillbloods and, like, the Gallantry Golds and all this stuff. And then the second archetype is where you're leaning more into the zero-cost the zero-cost charge cards that have on-hits, like Bolt of Courages and... Um, engulfing lights and then you're playing steel hands as combat tricks to boost their strength and then give them go again 
I think the uh, the second one is terrible. <laughs> like I used to think it was good, but like having played it a bunch, it's like having played it a bunch, it's just actually not good. Which is okay. I think Bolton ends up kind of becoming like value soup a lot of the time with power cards. So like your V the Vanguard, your Spill Bloods. So I, I, I used to think because I like that's how I think of like Prism and that's how I think of um uh train when I'm drafting this set. Like what archetype of this hero am I in? And like for many sets. But like for Bolton, it really does feel like I'm just drafting like the Bolton deck now, um, as time goes on. Which is maybe like just a limited lens of analysis. I don't know. I just feel like every time I like like lean towards like the bolt of courages, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this sucks. And I'd rather be playing like take flights and better cards and stuff like that. Yeah, I think like the problem with having too many of these cards that need other cards to increase their power before they have go again from Bolton's ability is that you're you kind of turn yourself into this like A plus B deck where you need to draw both parts. And if you don't, you can just get like your opponent can just block you out and then you have a four card hand and then I don't know, you engulfing light and they go, okay, take three, go. Yeah. I think like fundamentally the zero cost card deck is really great when it gets to keep a five card hand. But like five card hands really only happen when your opponent's a ham sandwich like prisms like if if your opponent's just letting you keep five card hands like i don't know you probably don't need to listen to this podcast there's prisms gonna throw heralds at you um levia is doing tons of damage like if you just are like no blocking chain you're gonna die because like mathematically he gets to keep play keep play like seven card hands so yeah he's just like too the problem with the the zero cost steel hand deck is that the ceiling is higher i would argue but the floor is like in the basement <laughs> and that's a big problem because we don't want to expose ourselves to a lot of variants and and i don't think that means that you can't play any of the zero cost charge cards it's just that you want to have other stuff in your deck like the take flights um as well i 100 percent agree yeah um all right, so let's move into the equipment. There's a whole bunch of equipment that uh, Bolton could play. Let's start with uh, Gallantry Gold. You mentioned that. That's the Warrior class equipment. Uh, gloves, they have not Blade Break, Battle Warren 1, yep. and a action, pay a resource, destroy it. Your axes get plus 1 this turn. How important is Gallantry Gold? How highly are you picking it? And what how does it how are we using this equipment in the game plan i go a bit back and forth on this equipment i used to think it was essential and but i've actually been throwing i've threw out a couple of pods or like two one or like three old like i threw out two pods where i didn't have it and then like a two one a bunch of pods where i didn't have it i draft bolton a lot in vancouver by the way for those listening um not not that i choose like i just i feel like i get pushed into him he's just so easy to draft and i like playing him but i feel like you don't need a ton like, it's not as fundamental as I think, like, Aether Iron Weave or Shadow Hooves is for Chain or Levia, but it's quite good. I mean, like, I think the 3 0 decks for Bolton often have a Gallantry Gold in them to start. How early am I picking it? I think broadly, I wouldn't pack one, pick one it, because I think that it's not fundamental and also i think in monarch the best strategy is to pick a generic pack one pick one if possible if the or it, it's better to like cut a class card to send a signal and with the equipment it's just like in this in the pack whatever i also think 
ideally your pod should have two Boltons. And in that case, it feels like the Gallantry Gold can get to you often like three or four seats down. So I feel like I usually get the Gallantry Gold unless like it's like the classic Monarch experience where like there's seven Aether Iron Weaves and like no Shadow Who. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like, I, so I feel like, I guess it's like, it's good. I pick, I usually pick it. Like if I, if I've like, if I pack two, if I pick one, sorry, pick two, pack one and pick three, pack one, I pick Bolton cards and then like pick four, I get a pack one, I get a Gallantry Gold. I'll pick the Gallantry Gold. Um, even if I just see like a red take flight, like pick two, I might just grab a Gallantry Gold, pick three as a hedge. It's just really nice. Why is it good? It's good for a couple reasons. The first is that it has Battle One One, which I think is actually quite good in this set. Um, it basically gets you to it gets you on a couple break points, and it also turns like blocks against Galaxy Black really nicely. Um, it just does a bunch of different things. It's nice. The main reason why is because it allows us to. If we have a single card in soul, it allows us to block with three cards and then present a seven damage turn back split across across um, two attacks. So what happens is you block three cards and you have a blue in hand. You pitch your blue into Gallantry Gold and you swing the first axe. Now the axe has attack greater than its base because it gets a plus one from the Gallantry Gold. So you banish a card from your soul to give a go again. And then you swing the other axe and the axe gets plus one from, being, from the axe ability and plus one from the Gallantry Gold. So now you're coming in for three and four. It's just really nice when you like you put your opponent to three life so they keep a five card hand to come back at you. It allows you to block nine of them and still present a card that a turn that probably demands one or two cards from them, which allows you the, them to be on a two card hand. And now you can have a four card hand where you can think about like basically taking a bit of damage to close the game out. Like it just it just buys you back a bunch of tempo. And then on like really greedy turns, you can like pop the gallantry gold for like some really big powerful turn where like you take flight and gallantry gold and you have a bunch of resources. I, I find I do that not as often, but like it's just flexible in that way. Um, if you give the gallantry gold, if you give gallantry gold to your weapons and also you've charged this turn, it's just like a value disaster for your opponent to block most of the time. As you're saying for the one card hand, that's just like nine block plus seven. That's 16 point turn. So super efficient and that's like way above rate in the set yeah it allows you also to convert like one of the nice things that allows you to convert like if you drafted like a blue like what's the card that lets you look at your opponent's hand like scout freehand scout scout the preference like scout the pre- no. no no that's from Frontline front scout. Front scout. Front scout. <laughs> scout the preference uh, from the other sets you're right welcome to the yeah outsiders. outsiders no what's the one for- Sca- oh scout the battlefields <laughs> <laughs> I, I only know the flavor text of those cards. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just nice because you can turn like a frontline scout into seven damage. It's pretty sick. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I think it's like, it's 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 great, but it's not like, I, I am a strong believer that like Levia can't 3-0 unless she has a hooves. I don't think it's that level, but it's like really good. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I agree with everything you said there. And I like, I find myself using it very much the same way where you just have the one card seven and it often is a way to kind of, like you said, get tempo back and kind of come back into the game because Bolton, maybe one of the things we didn't mention in the gameplay is that um, Bolton's two card hands are often, they, they leave a lot to be desired. They're, they're, they're not terrible. They're just bad. They're just not good. I mean, like the problem is 
the two card hands boil down to two type of hands. The hands where you have a blue and a good generic, which in that case, that's not a bottom turn. That's just any turn. Like any hero can keep a blue and play like a sturdy wooden hog. So that's whatever. The more common Bolton turn is like, if you have a, ideally you have a zero cost charge card and you then charge a card into your soul. The problem is that like, if your opponent thinks they can kill you, they will just take that damage because all the zero cost cards come in for three, except for Express Lightning, which comes in on four on red. And sometimes you're holding like a one cost charge card and one cost charge cards don't do anything because you need at least three card hand, which means you're like you're just playing like a take flight, like you're pitching and coming in for like one for three or one for four, which is also terrible value. Yeah, absolutely. Carrying on with equipment here, um, the light equipment, Halo of Illumination, where you can pay a resource to put a light card, put a card into your soul, and if it's a light card, you draw a card. How do you like Halo and Bolton, and how do you usually use this card? I feel like it's okay. It's way better than Prism. Prism like wants the soul a lot more for a bunch of different reasons, matchup reasons. I like I like Halo in the deck. I think it's like it's spell void too. That's nice. It allows you to like fix hands. I, I consider it nice to have, but by no means necessary. Um, how should it be used? Generally, I'm a fan of uh, using it as hand fixing. I think the people I think using it on the first turn is also like fine but not great in my view like the part in bolton you care about is the part that allows you to draw a card and potentially like fix a hand i think the part of like putting a card in soul is like good but like bolton just can like put cards in soul for breakfast like that's not the problem with our deck a problem usually is our hand size <laughs> and we need to figure out a way to get out of it i think also it's kind of like devalued it doesn't synergize with like a lot of our, like it doesn't, it's not charging right so it's like just a card in soul and just a card in soul is not that great Makes a lot of sense. And then maybe in the other slots, we have some generics. There's the Blood Drop Brigade, Iron Hide, and Time Skippers. Do any of these, we don't have to talk through each of them, but but broadly sure. speaking, are there are there certain ones that you like or you're looking for, or how do you kind of value these generic equipments? Time Skip is basically terrible. Uh, you don't have enough blues. Even if you do, your cards cost too much. It's just not really what your deck wants to do. You play it if you have it, but you're not looking for it. Ironhide follows the rule I generally feel about Ironhide outside of Prism, which is that you really, one Ironhide is pretty bad, two Ironhide is good, three is great, four is nuts. It's worth noting that, like, unlike other heroes, Bolton plays all blocks. So, like, one piece of Ironhide isn't allowing you to pitch a no block into anything. Like, that just doesn't happen. Uh, the, and also, like, yeah, so I think the Ironhide is, like, you want two pieces. That's, I would consider, like, standard draft theory. And then the Blood Drop Brigade, um, I think it's nice to have. I'm always happy to have picked it up. It allows you to like really chain together some crazy via the Vanguard turns or like get an extra axe swing in. But I, I feel like I've like threw out a bunch of Bolton drafts on just Gallantry Gold, which I know like sounds crazy, but like it's the truth. You don't need these other equipment as much, in my opinion. I agree with that. I, I, I like the Blood Drop to kind of be able to like take flight, Calentry Gold, Axe Axe. Um, yeah. It's a pretty nice line, but but it definitely doesn't feel like you have to have it or anything. I, I think of the non-Galantry Gold, Blood Drop Brocade is the best, but like it's not like, it's just, it's one of those nice to have things. If um if the, if there's like a, a red take flight or like a Valiant Thrust in the pack, I'm going to pick that ahead of a Blood Drop Brocade like most of the time. Yeah, I think that's a good segue to the key cards then. So what are the cards that you're looking for in this, uh, for, for Bolton in general? 
like okay, so Via the Vanguard. Let's just talk about Via the Vanguard. Um, Via the Vanguard is a specialization printed at rare, so you see it about I would argue one at uh, probably you on average one per box, and then sometimes zero or sometimes two. Is this card legendary? It's no. it's not legendary. You can play two Via the Vanguards in your deck. The Leviathan chain specializations are, but Boltons is not. The light ones are not. Yeah. So okay, why is Via the Vanguard really good? Via the Vanguard is really good because you have a play pattern. That is just this. We have a blue in our hand and a Via the Vanguard in our hand, and we pitch the blue to play Via the Vanguard, charging the other two cards, the other two light cards of our hand into our soul. Now, every attack on the chain gets plus two because we charge two light cards out of the soul. So the Via the Vanguard comes in for five. You banish to give a go again. You swing the first axe, which comes in for four. You banish to give a go again. And then you swing the last axe for a total of five. And Bolton's ID ability is turned on for all of those. And you can do this combo, which is 14 damage, um, with no cards and soul starting. So you can just do it from a raw four-card hand. The one that really kills people, though, is when the Via the Vanguard's in Arsenal. Because when the Via the Vanguard's on us in Arsenal, what will happen is the Bolton will go to, like, three, because they don't care. They're going to kill you. They're going to pitch a blue to play Via the Vanguard from Arsenal, charge three light cards into the soul. And now they're coming in for uh 17 yeah six plus five uh plus six is 17 damage um bolton's ability turned on this is like insane it's like one of the best turns in the boat in the in the format i think honestly especially because if you try to block it you're just making the turn better like all your your first block is like devalued it's coming in the damage is split up over multiple attacks which makes blocking it harder it's just like a massive way to win the game. And if your opponent's at like 10 to 12 life, they just have to block, which is a lot of reach in this format. Like most decks don't have that amount of reach except for like chain. So being able to like really threaten someone's life total from 10 to 12 is really nice with Via the Vanguard. You are always going to pick Via the Vanguard. If you see Via the Vanguard in a pack, you should force Bolton. I, I am a general believer of this. Um, Jay does not play Bolton in this format, but he is a strong believer in cutting via the Vanguard whenever he sees it. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna pass via the Vanguard. It's it's gonna be pick V, pack one, pick one, then force prism. <laughs> I think if you see via the Vanguard and you're not Bolton and it's like pack two, you kind of have to cut it. I think there's a strong like, like I really usually don't feel this way about cards, but like man. The Bolton is just gonna kill you. <laughs> like if they get via the Vanguard, if they get past via the Vanguard, it's insane. Like yeah, like I think the only time you might not pick via the Vanguard is like if you're on trajectory to like be playing like more than three baubles in your deck. Then I think it might be better to like try and pick up a playable. But you get 15 cards per pack in the set, so I feel like that's usually not a problem. So in those cases, I think you should be picking up V of the Vanguard just in case, like, you play against the Bolton. And if they play V of the Vanguard against you, you're, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, that's broadly... Like, it's just, it's just, like, the most powerful thing you can do. One of the most powerful turns and things you can do in the set. It's also, like, weirdly flexible. So, like, you can have a turn... For example, if the V's in Arsenal, you can just have a turn that is, like, pitch a blue, charge two light cards into your soul... Go V, Axe, Axe, and end on a Bolt of Courage for, like, four, five. That, like, if they don't block that, you draw a card. Like, you can pop a Blood Drop Brocade and end on a Valiant Thrust, or across the line, or end on an Express Lightning, or a Take Flight. Like, it's wild. Um, 
I will I will note that one of the things about V the Vanguard is it rewards you for drafting a good Bolton deck in the sense that you need to have a lot of light cards in your deck. You shouldn't want to be putting light cards in your deck anyway, but like you can't charge generics. So if you're like Bolton 3 and your deck is like 15 generics plus light cards, it's going to be a lot harder to get the V of the Vanguard to line up. But in like a good or above average Bolton deck, V of the Vanguard is like just straight up busted and will feel, it'll feel like it'll steal games out of nowhere. Yeah. I would say outside of V of the Vanguard, card you are looking for the most is Take Flight. Take Flight's insane. It's the only charge card that has native go again. It costs one, which is normally not good, but because we have the axes in draft, we're allowed to we can use the excess resources to always swing into the draft or play another swing into the axes or play another card. Um, you're gonna play this on all colors. You ha- you want to see it mostly on red, but like it's fine on yellow and blue. Like genuinely, it's still really insane on yellow and blue. So yeah, I think take flight for me is like. If I get past a red take flight, that's usually a signal to me that Bolton's open. I always am like when I and when I pass a red take flight because I'm like, oh, I need to pick this other card. I'm just like, I know I'm putting my the person to the left of me or like down the line into Bolton because uh, it's just such such a clear signal. I would say take flight and via the Vanguard are just like the cards you are looking for above all else. Um, every other card is like nice to have and there's like there's the good card and bad cards, but like and you can also like find replacements in weird places. But like via the Vanguard and Take Flight are just like unique in their own way and just so incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think that often like how many Take Flights and Vs your deck has is a very good indicator for how strong your Bolton deck is. Um, and if you if you play the deck, you'll with and without them or with higher numbers or lower numbers, I think you'll really feel that right away. All right, let's move into the charge cards. There's a whole bunch of charge cards. There's these zero for threes. Bolt of Courage gives you draw a card on hit and Golfing Lightning goes into your soul on hit. There's a zero for four with no on hits, Express Lightning. Um, And then there's Cross the Line as a one for five. How are you prioritizing these cards? We we kind of know Take Flight's the best of all the charge yeah, cards, yeah. but of these other ones, how um, how do you prioritize? Okay, very quick speed run. Uh, Express Lightning's pretty good. Uh, on red and yellow, you're kind of just okay with playing it. It's not the most powerful thing you can do, but like just being able to like come in for three and charge on yellow and red, and coming in for four on red is fine. Like just naturally, your Bolton deck will have to have some off turns. Like you just can't be insane all the time. I think Engulfing Light's okay too. I don't really want to play this card on red. I'm much more happy to play it on blue and yellow. Like having a blue that comes in for one that threatens like not a meaningful on hit. Like my opponent's not likely to block it, but just gets me an extra card and soul is nice. And then uh, Bolt of Courage, I would say, is okay on red. No, it's it, it's good on red, okay on yellow, and not great on blue. I think Bolt of Courage is like, maybe the best of these of engulfing light and express lightning and it like depends on how many steel hands you have i think the big trap i see is people are like oh bolt of courage is like snatch it's not like snatch also snatch not great when you can't give it go again in my view and so like a deck a trap you can fall into is like people will be like but my deck's all bolt of courage plus courageous steel hands like how could i lose i'll tell you how you can lose if your deck's all bolt of courage steel hands and zero cost charge cards if the card you draw off a bolt of courage is like a yellow engulfing light your turn sucks. like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> often the bolton because of how bolton set up in draft you don't often have the pitch or the cards to be able to play like an expensive card you see off your bolt of courage anyway 
Um, it's still fine to like end the chain on a bolt of courage, and like it can be nice to like take flight, play a adrenaline rush, give the adrenaline rush go again, and then like end on a bolt because the bolt does not have to do the charging to get the on hit. The bolt just cares if you've charged this turn at any point, so you can play a take flight and then bolt of courage with no char- with, without charging and still draw a card on hit. I I think the big thing to like keep in mind for our viewers or our listeners is that. Well, it does seem like Snatch, you're charging a card to get the effect. So if all you do, like let's say you do a two-card hand, Bolt of Courage charge, it's fine. But even if it hits, like you've done three damage and then you draw a random card, you're just, and then you get a card in your soul, you're like kind of like Henri-ish. Like it's it's fine, but it's really not. I, I also think like fundamentally, Bolt of Courage is good in a vacuum, but every deck in this format that you're playing against will just be like happily take three and then either throw a herald at you play a dread screamer in a meat axe or come in for like a big chain turn like three damage just ain't cutting it and it's good for like quote-unquote value but like value doesn't like math and value in theory doesn't win flesh and blood games like killing your opponent does uh and bolt of courage is not very good at killing your opponent the cross the line, I think, is okay. I don't love it. I usually only try to play like one or two of these, uh, mostly because a one cost charge card that doesn't have go against pretty terrible. One of the things I do like about cross the line is being able to play a take flight into just across the line. So it's a nice pitch outlet for resources, especially on red. Um, like not without the charge, like just like a one for five is like it, this is critical strike, right? This is just critical strike with less yeah, flavor. You text. gotta love the critical strikes. Yeah, so critical strike with less flavor text. It has a big downside because there's no flavor text, but <laughs> we are fine with playing critical strike. I think as like a nice uh, pitch outlet after um after playing a take flight. Um, one last thing is like Bolton needs a mixture of charge cards and outlets for the charge cards. A lot of those outlets exist in the generics and it's just important to note that like a deck a bolton deck that is like okay i'm playing like three take flights and like five bolts and like four express lightnings and like but with no actual cards that like do a bunch of damage and kill the opponent like you're just gonna lose because like the charge cards because you have to put a card into soul to like play them or get their effects they are below rate well, like, technically, they're just on rate. But a deck that is just on rate doesn't win draft pods. <laughs> a deck that wins draft pods is a deck that does stuff that's above rate, well, probably multiple times. Like, the chain deck that kills you isn't a fair chain deck that just comes in for average damage every turn. The chain deck that kills you is the one that did, like, 15 damage in one turn, like, through full blocks. So, yeah, you just need to, like, sort of be able be able to string together some, quote-unquote, unfair turns. Yeah, then let's uh, move right into the generics here. Which generics are you looking for that you're talking about you need these powerful generics? Which ones in particular are you looking for? The big ones are... Uh, the big one is Adrenaline Rush. So Adrenaline Rush is great. I think it's great on red and great on yellow. If you have less life, because it can boost itself by three, it meets Bolton's condition, so you can bash to give a go again. So you can have a turn that is just like a three-card hand that is like pitch, play an Adrenaline Rush. Pitch a blue, play an Adrenaline Rush play across the line with no charge. And now we've just came in for 12 damage on three cards, which is like pretty good in my view, um, across two attacks. The other cards I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing are cards like uh, Stony Wootenhog and uh, Surging Militia. Stony, uh, Surging Militia is really nice, especially in the late game, because if you've charged, like Take Flight and a Surging Militia is just like so backbreaking the block. <laughs> and Stony Wootenhog is nice because if they defend with only one card, you can banish a card to give a go again. 
Um, so like I often play Stony Wootenhog on yellow, and I'm happy in Bolton, and it buys two cards, uh, which is really nice. Those are the like the big ones in terms of like the payoff cards. Um, yeah. Yeah, you kind of just want the efficient big attacks, ideally like the two cost ones because they combo with take flight, and ones that in some way gain, gain power are usually really synergistic with Bolton. What about uh, belittle minnowism? I know that I, I think that it's like easy to see that there could be a belittle minnowism deck. We've kind of talked about the three power zero cost Bolton charge cards. Uh, is it fair to say that you're not so high on belittle minnowism because you also don't like the three for zero charge cards so much? I think that's kind of true. I think, like, okay, if you can line up a belittle, belittle minnowism, it's just very good. And also, Bolton, most of Bolton's attacks are going to meet the belittle condition. So I think it's like, it's always good to play it in him, right? Like, if you have happened to draft belittle minnowism, it's fine to play it in belittle. Well, sorry, fine to play it in Bolton. I think that the problem is that Bolton doesn't really need the blue minnowism. Like, he doesn't pay for a ton of stuff like he usually can play his whole hand on a blue and so getting a second blue is usually not helpful like the the blue that you the blue minimalism is only good when you get the um when you don't have a blue in hand and you had to pitch like a yellow or a red to like trigger the belittle which is like that's fine but i just don't think it's great the red minimalism i actually think is good so i play the red minimalism without belittle and like I'm happy to like I don't I'm not like switching out minnowism specifically like I'll probably grab a light warrior or a light card ahead of minnowism a red minnowism but like if I see it pick like pack three like pick four and like I don't think there are any other good cards in the pack for me like I'm quite happy to grab a minnowism just because like minnowism like is nice it's gonna work on a lot of the yellow versions of your light warrior cards which is like you can't play like yeah if you drafted like the god Bolton deck where like it's all reds red fours and like minnowism doesn't work like you're suffering from success I guess but. The reality is you're just going to have a bunch, like, one of the nice things is that, like, minnow red minnowism works on yellow um, adrenaline rush, which I like a lot. So then you can, like, can go minnowism, pitch it, come in for, like, nine, and then just, like, spend the spare resources swinging an axe. But, yeah, I'm not super high on belittle minnowism generally. I think it's probably best in chain and probably will live there. Like, you have to fight the chains for the belittle minnowisms, I feel like. I I'm a strong believer now. Belittle minnowism belongs in prism. Okay, so is the idea behind Belittle Minnowism and Prism the idea that you're drafting all these bad generics so you just have all these tar random targets for Belittle? Yeah, it's so sick. It's so just gross. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Jay go Belittle, Reveal Blue Spears, The Gloves, Dreamweaver, Blue Minnowism, Blue Spears for six, Wartoon Herald, and I'm like, hmm, it's pretty good. <laughs> Other other than that, let's uh on the topic of minnowism, let's uh talk about the other attack action pumps. How good are those ones? Like let's say Seek Enlightenment Red. So I think Seek Enlightenment is pretty good. I'm happy to play it on like you just end up playing some of these cards anyway because like there's not enough Bolton cards usually in the pack to be split amongst two players that like will you end up playing Seek Enlightenment. I think it's fine. I think that it's nice. That's a nice outlet for soul. It's like if you're allowed to keep like a three card hand, it's nice to be able to like, for example, like playing across the line or rising solar tide, being able to go like seek enlightenment, pitch a blue, seek enlightenment, rising solar tide for eight, and then like or seven or whatever, and then um swing an axe. 
like one of the nice things about the axes is like if you any two card resource any two resource line that you can give bash card to go again just is always plus two damage because you can always just swing an axe yeah uh, which is really nice and so i'm happy to play seek enlightenment like sometimes you play it on blue because you're desperate for blues it's a blue block too but like it also has some utility steel hand steel hand's a bit of a trap that's gonna sound crazy because reactions instead are so busted because there's no defense reacts I've seen a lot of good Bolton decks that are playing like five steel hands blow up on the run. <laughs> the problem with steel hand is it's like what Yuki said. You're turning yourself into an A plus B deck. And I just want to be all A's. So if you have a hand that like doesn't have a charge card, your steel hand looks like an idiot. Because it's just like a block two that like doesn't do anything. <laughs> so it has like a high, it's like, it, it's like, it's really volatile as a card, which is bad because we don't want to expose ourselves to variants. I was going to say, I I, li- I like this card, but I think that what you said is true, that like five is probably too many. I think you want two red steel hands. Like yeah. two red steel hands, perfect number. I think, I, I see people run into troubles when they show me the deck and it's like, oh, I'm playing like two red steel hands and two yellows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, don't do that. I think you are probably only playing the yellow if you don't have reds. I think like playing two yellow steel hands, depending on the deck composition, is fine. I think having at least one is like probably really good. They're just like your opponent can't play around them, and so you sometimes get like massive blowout equity. It also can target any attack, which is really nice, including your axes. So you can sometimes just do something like um, take flight axe, steel hand the axe, give it go again uh, with Bolton, and then do your next axe, and that's just like a very very good turn. So it is good for giving stuff go again and it works on generics it works on everything so long as you charged so it is good but but yeah you don't want too many i think it is definitely like a deck building consideration where it's like it's really powerful but like if you get sort of waterlogged with too many of these it can like it can too many steel hands can turn a great bolton deck into an okay or even a bad bolton deck has been my experience that's super fair i like for myself i stopped playing around this card i just like if they have it and they blow me out i deserve to lose (laughs) So as a rule of thumb here, how do you view these attack action pumps? Are you wanting a certain number in your deck? And if so, what is that number? Or are these just more like cards you can play if you need filler, but you would prefer not to? I, I would say probably I in most of my decks, I end up playing, like including the Steel Hands, the Secret Enlightenments, the Minoisms. In there, I probably play somewhere between, I probably end up playing somewhere between like two to four of them. Um, sometimes six, depending on the quality of my deck. I don't draft them very highly. I'm usually focused on light warrior cards, but like usually my priority is like good light warrior cards, depending on how far I am in the draft. Then um, generic, um, generic payoff cards or like payoff cards such as Valiant Thrust. Then sort of like worse enablers, but like the glue is. I, I view these like pumps often as glue for a lot, like a lot of turns where like nothing like lines up correctly like when you don't have a charge card you don't have a take flight um so then so it's like light warrior cards then generic payoff cards then pumps and then like blue block threes makes a lot of sense maybe also in the category of pumps is we have a number of cards that increase the weapons power so we have a dusk path pilgrimage plow through and second swing do you like any of these cards all of them none of them so I think broadly, I think of these, second swing is by far the worst. The amount of turns where you're like you're able to give your axe go again, 
first axe go again and play second have the card in hand to play second swing have the resource and then swing like the actual play at zero cost is like fairy tale land like it's just too many cards in hand so broadly like i don't i don't like second swing i often play it as a blue because like it's a blue block three that like it's fine the dusk path pilgrimage is something i've come around on recently i think it's actually quite good so like the nice thing about dusk path pilgrimage is that you know that play pattern we talked about for gallantry gold where it's like a one card seven Dusk Path Pilgrimage on red is a two-card eight, which is not incredible, but, like, it's good. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine to do this. Um, and it also, like, kind of forces them weirdly, like, in th- depending on how many cards you have in soul, and, like, if you have a Blood Drop Procade up, like, it forces them into blocking the first Axe Swing, which is nice for you. Like, I- I'm not looking out, like, I'm not highly picking Dusk Path Pilgrimages, but, like, I think they're fine to, like, have. Plowthrough is in a similar category. Personally, I like Dusk Path Pilgrimage a bit more than Plowthrough, just because I like the flexibility of like spending extra soul to swing the first axe again for another extra three damage. But I think they're both fine. I, I like the blue like the the nice thing about Plowthrough and Dust Path Pilgrimage is they allow you to give your weapons go again on blue with soul, which is nice because like you it's a blue that also like does something sometimes. But I wouldn't consider myself picking these highly. Usually these picks these get these cards get passed over as people are more focused on the light warrior cards and the light cards. And then you can pick these up towards the end of each pack, which I think are fine. I agree with all of that. And um I think playing like if you need to play one or two reds of these, it's pretty okay. Like like Eric was saying, you have like the two card eights, you can combo them with gallantry gold if you have two blues, and then you have like a pretty big turn. The other thing is like it just blocks three, or you can charge it into your soul, and so long as it's not on your V turn, like that's also totally fine. So Do we want to talk about advanced bobble theory? <laughs> sure, what is what is advanced bobble theory? Give us the rundown. Advanced bobble theory <laughs> advanced bobble theory is I sat I'm gonna change I'm gonna protect the names of the innocent here. But I sat down against an unnamed player in Vancouver who when they sat down they were playing Bolton and they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa before the game, I need more sleeves. I was like, why do you need more sleeves? He's like, I'm gonna sleeve five more baubles against you for fatigue because I can always charge the baubles into soul. And so my opponent played like a 36 card deck that was playing five baubles and uh, it did not go well for the Bolton player. So the moral of that story is don't play terrible cards that are super niche on the argument of like, you can just charge them in the soul. That's true, but also just play better cards. Yeah. You'd rather have good cards to begin with, but like they're situationally okay and they block three. So they're, they're quite a bit better than a bobble. No, I agree. Do you want to like quickly talk? There's like the, do you want to quickly talk about the light cards? Yeah, let's talk about the light cards. Um, I think right away my favorite is Illuminate as just a four for zero that goes into soul. It's like one of the only ways to get a good one card hand outside of um, Gallantry Gold, which we already discussed. Um, are there any other light cards that you like? Uh, yeah, I think Illuminate's the best one. I think um, Rising Solar Tide is actually really good in Bolton. Um, like it's really good is probably an overstatement, but like you will probably end up playing some number of rising solar tides and a one for four and a one for five that goes in the soul is nice. Being able to like play a take flight to a rising solar tide, um, is super cool. 
Seek Enlightenment, like a three-card hand of like Seek Enlightenment, Rising Solar Tide is nice. It doubles up on the put in a soul effect, but it's just like nice damage. I, I just like Rising Solar Tide. You end up playing probably one or two of these in most of your decks. The other thing I was going to note was as a sideboard card, Ray of Hope is crazy. So if you have, it's the one cost, it says attacks you control of plus one while attacking a shadow here this turn. And then if you have less life than an opposing shadow here, you put Ray of Hope into here. So, so let's ignore the second line. Just look at the first line. If you have a lot of soul, <laughs> Ray of Hope then just says all of your attacks have go again. Because it's a global buff, it applies to your axes. So like Ray of Hope, I have seen do some very gross things to chain and love your players. I don't think you are looking to like pick this highly, but if you end up drafting this, I think it's worth it to play one, or even depending on how aggressive your deck is, two copies versus Train and Levia. If your plan is, I'm just going to like rush these guys down and be super aggressive. Because it can just lead to some crazy turns. And it's not hard to be at less life. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really considered this card, but but when you talk about it, it makes sense to me. And you can even... It works on your axes too, right? It does. So you can have a turn... like You can keep... it like Every charge card, we t- every zero-cost charge card that we talked about where we we're like, oh, I, we don't love this card because like you have to play another card to give a go again. Ray of Hope is like a steel hand that is a global... Like an anthem buff. And being able to go like Bolt of Courage charge into Ray of Hope Getting the like, I've done this to someone. I go, I go, both of courage charge. They go, put a three block non attack action in front of it. I go, okay, ray of hope, banish, give it go again, draw a card, swing my axes. Like, yeah. that's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, that seems very, very good. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so I, I like ray of hope. Uh, broadly, the other one, like, in- invigorating light is like okay but honestly it's pretty bad and bolt and all things considered and like chain um prison wants it more um and pretty impenetrable belief is like worse than rising solar tide i sometimes end up playing this on red or yellow if i'm like really hungry for just like attacks glisten is terrible don't play glisten it in th- does it allow you to give your weapons go again yes but the the economics of this card is terrible. You have to pitch two blues to have an, a, like a two-axis turn, and we can just like play cards like Dust Path, Pilgrimage, and Ray of Hope. Don't do it. And uh, Blinding Beam is not great in our deck because we don't have pitch outlets for it against other light heroes, and I don't. I think we'd rather just play a block three. Makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, so we've kind of gone through most of the cards in Bolton and sort of what to look for. Often one of the things we like to do is kind of give a rough outline of the deck. Um, so roughly how many blues are you looking for? You kind of mentioned like the two to four, maybe six pumps. Semi-ideal Bolton, like a like a fairly average Bolton deck that people could aspire to get. What, what does that look like? I think your, Bol- your ideal Bolton deck is going to be running somewhere between 15 to 20 light or light warrior cards. It's going to be running... Minimum three take flights, ideally five. Probably two to four pumps, depending on how many take flights you have. I would say probably about six of the good charge cards, and then another six of like the blue charge cards that we're just playing because they're blue block threes. And then probably we have like four to five, maybe like four to six like payoff cards, like Stoony Wooten Hogs, Adrenaline Rushes, stuff like that. Um, Battlefield Blitz is also kind of in this category because it's like a chain extender. That's broad, like that's broadly how I would think of, think about the deck. Usually, when I'm drafting it, I'm usually starting by like p- 
picking up the light warrior cards I really want early, and then flexing into the generics in packs two and three, where like now I feel like I have my secure base of light warrior cards. Then I can like go fight for the generics in packs two and three, and then like bring them home to the light warrior cards I already have and like feel good about it, because it's like you kind of need the light like take flights and like just a certain number of like express lightnings and bolts and like cards that can charge. Like if you just have a pile of generics. It's kind of like drafting... Well, this is maybe like heretical draft advice. I always hated drafting the red sixes before assassin cards as Azuri and Outsiders. Um, like, too many. Because, like, I would have Azuri decks where I'd have, like, all these red sixes and, like, no stealth cards and no, like, assassin cards. And I'd just be like, this sucks. Um, I feel like that can kind of happen to Bolton sometimes. Where, like, I played against Bolton decks that are, like, very good math-wise, but don't have the char- like don't have the charge cards and the synergy required to actually win drafts. So yeah, that, that, that's what I would consider like your average Bolton deck. He's like pretty flexible in how he can be drafted in some sense, especially in terms of like what the blues are. Because like when I'm talking about that 15 to 20 light warrior light or light warrior card number, it's like it's fine to play like across the line or an engulfing light or an express lightning on blue that like you plan on never playing, but just like blocking and like pitching and like putting in the V of the Vanguard. Um, you really want the 15 to 20 light cards because you want to like increase the, you want to play and build your deck towards the V of the Vanguard turn. And you need light cards for that, so. That makes yeah. sense. And then you okay. said six blues, was it? For the blue? No, card? no. I think you need probably minimum eight. Okay. At least, like, I usually run between eight or ten, and then, like, sometimes you end up running, like, 13 blues if, like, the deck's bad. But, like, I've won Bolton drafts on 13 blue Bolton decks as possible. It's just, like, hard. So, ideally, eight, eight to ten? But yeah, I think so. Like, just, like, yeah, eight to ten, and just, like, evens out your cost curve really nicely. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, one of the things that's really striking about Bolton when you draft him is that you just have so many three blocks. Um, it, it feels great. So the deck blocks very, very well. Do you want to do the Majestic speed run? Uh, let's for the Majestics. Let's just talk about the good ones. Let's just uh, avoid talking about any of the bad ones. Actually, at least at least let's just talk about the interesting ones. There is a really interesting one that I do want to discuss. Uh, I guess let's start with it. It's Soul Shield. What do you think about Soul Shield? I know we talked about. I got this baited book. by Yuki. I got baited hard by Yuki. What do you mean? I asked Yuki, "Do you think I should put Soul Shield in my Bolton deck?" And she was like, "Yeah." And then it was terrible. <laughs> um, seemed good. What uh, what what made it so bad? Because I think on the surface this looks like a good card in Bolton. Yeah, I think everyone at the table was like, "Oh yeah, Soul Shield, good. Like put it in Bolton." I think Soul Shield not great because okay so let's think about it fundamentally you're paying a rate of two for two cost for six block that is realistically for most of your deck going to be two cards so we could have just blocked with two cards right so the advantage of soul shield is the fact that we get to play the defense react speed and it goes into our soul sure playing at defense react speed i think is good but like the reality is i often feel like i don't need it it's like the 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 one spot where you want it is like specifically versus prism if they're on herald of tenacity like there's not a ton of dominate in this set and it feels like versus like bolton it's good against bolton it's not i would argue not even good against train there's just like all these weird matchups where like it doesn't feel very good to like pay two for a defense react i guess and the card and soul thing is like the card and soul is good, but 
your bottom deck, if your bottom deck's good, ideally you're not having trouble getting cards in Soul anyway. Like, the reason Soul Shield's so busted in Prism is because Prism's playing, like, a bunch of no blocks and, like, is desperate for cards in Soul. So it's like doing double duty, right? But in Bolton, it's actually like, we could just block with two cards anyway. Um, we don't, we aren't really desperate for the soul, soul, and so we're just kind of playing like an on what I would consider like a fairly on rate card or like slightly above rate that doesn't actually do damage. And I want to do damage as the Bolton player. Um, so that's broadly why like I'm against it. Makes sense. Yeah, it just doesn't really seem to add much to the deck. Are there any majestics that when you see them are like a you know a slam dunk? You're really excited about getting past this. Uh, Spillblood's insane. Um, so Spillblood gives you access to Dominate, so that allows you to do some really gross things. Um, first off, it just makes the Gallantry Gold turn insane. Um, and, like, you're willing to take damage to do this. If you see a Spillblood, you can, like, combo with a Dusk Path Pilgrimage. That's super gross. It's just, like, it's not via the Vanguard, but, like, it's close enough. And honestly, Dominate in this set, Dominate in a set that doesn't have any defense reacts, except for Rise Above, which is, we don't talk about Rise Above, it's, like, you will just kill people with spill blood. Like I don't know what to say. Like it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's not hard to get the two axe swings because you can give them natural go again. And if you swing two axes, that's one for four. It's a block three. It gives them dominate. And then and then like you said, if you have like a dust path, a dust path pilgrimage to give it, get the extra attack so that it's like a one for six. Like now we're moving into like crazy constructed card territory. So. One of the things, like one of the things I did to someone in a draft, is I killed them on a one card, on a two card hand by going pitch a blue, spill blood, pop my gallantry gold, swing my first axe for five with dominate, give it go again. They took two, pop my blood drop brigade, swing the next one for six dominate. Like I don't know, I killed a man. I I think broadly, I'm always I'm looking out for um, spill blood. I think bolting blade is like okay, but like not great. I also think Lumina Ascension is, like, not that good. Like, it's okay. You need a lot of soul to start. You need, like, two to three soul to do it. And then you need, realistically, like, two blues. And you need to have charged that turn. So it's, like, this really complicated five-card hand. And it's just, like, worse than Via the Vanguard. <laughs> like, it's just way worse than Via the Vanguard. <laughs> or even Spill Blood. Beacon of Victory, I think, is pretty nuts. Uh, it, ha- it like, man, there's a lot of things I could say about this card, but broadly, just using it to get a one cost out of your deck is usually enough value that you can kill somebody. So like, being able to like play like a zero cost, banish a card to give a go again, banish a card to beacon a victory, and then getting a valiant thrust or cross the line, or a um, even just like a tremors of Lathriel or something, that's just really good. Yeah, so I, I think uh, I think Beacon Victory is great. And then what are the other Majestics? Oh, uh, Raiden, right? Yeah. So do you do you like Raiden? Can you draft a? Did, can you just slot Raiden into your Bolton deck? Do you need to draft a specific Raiden deck? I think that Raiden is good, but requires a very specific deck. I think you can draft. I think Raiden, for example, like you know how we talked about how that zero cost Bolt of Cur- the zero cost Steel Hand deck is like bad. I think it's actually good with Raiden because it means that you don't have to pitch cards to swing the axes. You just get to always come in with the Duskbane for, for free, um, and it lowers the number of like cards in your hand you're required to like leverage everything. So I and I think also like it's just incredible. Take flight, like 
yeah, I think it's just doing. It's allowing you to string together these longer turns, which are really powerful. Like being able to go like take flight, dusk bane, like play a Wooten Hog is just like backbreaking for a lot of decks. I think you need either a lot of take flights or a lot of zero cost plus pumps. I think like taking if you if you've drafted like a V the Vanguard like traditional Bolton deck and then you get past like a Dusk Bane pack three, I wouldn't play the Dusk Bane. But if you get Dusk Bane like pack two, pick one, like sorry, pack one, pick two or something, then I might try and build down towards it. And a card that um I saw in my testing group, we often share decks that 3-0, and I saw this really sweet Raiden deck that had take flights, like you mentioned, and then it also had a couple uh, red Dusk-Path pilgrimages, and boy, does that seem good, because you can take flight, Dusk-Path pilgrimage, attack for six. If they block it, it goes up to seven, and if it hits, they get the extra attack. So I think Dusk-Path pilgrimage is a card to, especially at red, to look out for with Raiden. And then a bolting blade, I think, is fine. Like, you're happy to pick... I wouldn't pick it super highly, but, like, it's pretty good. Like, pitching a blue to play take flight into a bolting blade is, like, a lot of damage, but, like, it's not fundamental to the... It's, like, it, like the nice thing about bolting blade is it's a popper, too, which I like a lot. Yeah, so it's kind of like a block three stony wootenhog. Yeah, and, like, it has some, like, allows you to, like... Yeah, that's how I think. It's a block three stony wootenhog um, on yellow, which is nice. That's a light, and it's also a light warrior card, so it gets equity there for being light. Yeah, so broadly, broadly, that's how I characterize all the M's. I think think that's it, right? You can't play, uh, you can play Celestial Cataclysm. Yeah, it's fine. I think, yeah, you, it, that's exactly why you're happy to play it. So light, light card that blocks for three and pops for seven on yellow. If you get to play it, like you just get to game all over someone. That's cool, but like most of the time you won't, which is fine. Yeah, you just get some style points, you know. Okay. Is there anything else that we've missed or either of you want to touch on? I think we've kind of covered a lot of the bases here as far as Bolton goes. Yeah. I think Bolton is like, I mean, I, I like feel like I helped, we like talked about a Bolton draft you did at my place a while ago, Yuki, but like, I don't think Bolton is super hard to draft compared to like, I would argue Chain, who I think is hard to draft. Yeah. I, I think, I think Bolton can feel kind of weird because just like I think knowing what the deck needs to look like and understanding like once you understand that take flight is really kind of the glue that holds the deck together in a lot of ways and that you want some of the pumps but not too many and that you actually need some of these generics like once you have the right kind of mix and combination of cards I think you're right that the deck is quite easy um, to draft and pretty flexible like there's a lot of interchangeable moving parts like you a lot of the light warrior charge cards are kind of if you have one over the other it's like not hugely different outside of take flight of course um so yeah, yeah i i um i find that like a lot of my bolton decks i like finish drafting them and i'm like oh this deck does not feel good but then like because it can feel a little disconnected sometimes but once you actually play it you realize that like oh you're playing all these block threes and you get to swing the axes a bunch um yeah like i think it, i think it usually all works out actually yeah what i found is that the deck is just like pretty consistent and one of the tips that I would have is I quite, unless, like, if you have a good use for your pumps, by all means, use them. But they're also pretty good just to arsenal because if you do find yourself, even if you have like a five take flight deck or whatever, if you do find yourself in a spot where you don't have take flight and you have a hand that you need to leverage, just being able to bail yourself out like that is really nice for consistency. So I've kind of been valuing not to say it's the only thing you can put in arsenal like um but either trying to put like a take flight that is a go against starter or a pump that makes your other charge cards into go against starters is kind of 
a good way to get some consistency. I think that's a great, I think that's a great, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think one of the only things I would say on that is that um, if you're a V deck and you're playing the, and your win condition is to play down towards your V, the V is best in Arsenal. And so your, your attack reacts can sometimes gum up in Arsenal if you're forced to block a bunch. Versus if you put like a zero cost charge card in there, you can just like, you can always like jam like a, a, a yellow express lightning out of Arsenal for like no, no action points. Um, so I've lost games because like my Arsenal's gummed up and I can't Arsenal my V. Um, which is something, but yeah, I, I would say broadly, Arsenal in the pumps is really, really good. Yeah. So I guess it's just about understanding your win con. If you know that you're leaning into, if you have like two Vs that you're really going to lean into, then maybe be a little more careful with it. But if you don't have the Vs to lean into, then the pumps are nice consistency tools. All right. I think that pretty much wraps us up. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the show and telling us you know, all about how to draft Bolton. I know that Bolton was a hero I was really uncomfortable drafting and just you know some of our discussions when we've been doing drafts together has has really helped me so so i appreciate that and and hopefully it's helped out our listeners as well um before we go here are there any shout outs that you'd like to give or socials that you'd like to plug oh yeah totally so like i like flesh and blood but if you want to play a better card game you could play android netrunner it's free to play print all the cards out online i run a netrunner podcast called the shadow net where we talk about netrunner uh, you can Google that and listen to listen to me talk about Netrunner. Yuki's played Netrunner and she enjoyed it, which is a glowing endorsement. So if you ever want to quit Flesh and Blood and play a better card game, uh, check out Netrunner. I'm running American Continentals in Seattle, uh, Cascadia, 12th, 13th, come play. I'm sure there's like a lot of crossover in our audiences. So all the Netrunner players, you know, post in the comment what your favorite Netrunner card is. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, Netrunner. I haven't played it a lot, but I, I did have fun when when Eric when Eric taught me the game. And um, yeah, if you're looking for a game to try, I I recommend it. It's a very different play experience from like pretty much every other TCG. So it's Jay uh, Jay promised. Uh, I I let, I'm gonna let Jay teach me Weiss Schwartz, in, and in uh, return, I'm gonna teach him how to play Netrunner. That's the plan. Ooh, I'm so down for that. I'm gonna try and play the Pixar deck in White Schwartz. That's that's what I'm excited about. <laughs> uh, Pixar is only in Japanese. But... I'll learn. I'll learn. <laughs> yeah, you just 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 learn Japanese. Easy. Or just know what all the cards do. <laughs> yeah, not, honestly, not too hard in White Schwartz. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure to have you. All right, that's gonna wrap us up. Um, so for all you listeners out there. Um, feel free to let us know down in the comments below what your experience drafting Bolton has been. Um, are there cards that we overlooked or things that you think that we should have talked about and maybe didn't touch on? Or you know, were there certain learnings that you had? We love to hear about all of that in the comments down below. You can find Jay and myself on Twitter. Jay is at Ueda Jay, and I'm at Yuki Lee Bender on Twitter. Or you can email us um, if you have any question, feedback, or comments. Um, you can email us directly at onthebobble at gmail.com. That's going to wrap us up for tonight. Thanks for listening. Is there anything non-fab related you, you want to talk about?
that you want to put on the end of the episode like you just like like this is what i on my podcast i do this all the time like we always put up like the like the free roll bit at the end after we're done recording yeah we do that once in a while too it depends on if uh, the episode's long or not but you know it's long but you're on the uh, you're on this podcast right it's now it's so, so funny like coming on a like after doing that on a podcast for so long it's so funny to come on a podcast for a card game and just be like a guy <laughs> like it's so funny um do you so you guys are when you go to um Kenets, are you like i know you're gonna fo- like force prison no matter what Jay. do you think you're gonna just like force chain no matter what yuki or do you are you gonna stay open no i'm not gonna force chain i'll stay open but i think I don't know. We'll see. Your chain deck's gross. Like, I see you draft chain a lot locally. Yeah, I draft chain a lot. I have mixed success with the deck. I think if I can get it a little bit better, I would like to. Like, so part of what I feel is, like, I feel like chain is a deck that's going to intimidate a lot of people. And I feel like in a lot of pods, like, when I watch online drafts and stuff like that, people, like, shy away from chain. Or even sometimes Uh when when we have, like, a... I feel like when we're doing like our draft camps, chains never underdrafted, and like often Jay is cutting cards, and it makes the chain decks a lot harder to come together. But I also feel like you just wind up in these drafts where nobody really wants to pass chain, and they just pass you the nuts chain deck. And like, if I can be the nuts chain deck, I want to be. So I kind of yeah. like leaning into it a little bit, but being pretty willing to jump ship and draft something else if there's something else powerful available. It's really f- yeah, this is like this is just the training arc, Yuki. I'm just cutting all of the chain cards that you want, <laughs> so that you can try and win with bad chain cards. It's true. Tra- well, yeah, Jay's not gonna be in the pod. The trading weights are gonna be off. <laughs> I mean, I think it's so funny for me because I'm not gonna be drafting this set competitively. Like, I'm not going to Canets. Uh, so I don't get to like I don't get to draft this set. Just too bad. I would love this set. If if you were, what would your draft strategy be? I think my draft strategy would be to play Bolton. Um, I, I'd play Bolton because I think he's not well. I think the yeah, I think he's not well understood. Um, actually, I think I think broadly, actually, that's actually a lie. I think my strategy would be to start light and to sit between Bolton and Prism and move into the lesser of the two. Um, because I view myself as like a pretty strong prison player and a pretty strong Bolton player. Like, I don't know. I beat. I consider Jay a really good prison player, and I beat up his prisms with my prisms, which is like the best I can think of. And then, um, like the Bolton deck, I really understand. So I feel like that's what I would do. I. I feel like the shadow heroes are good. My frustration is always that the shadow cards are so much worse than the light cards. So it feels like you get, it's really hard to like sit in the shadow generics. Unlike with, you know, you can, you can start with like a Seek Enlightenment plus an Illuminate or like even a Rising Solar Tide, I think is fine. Like a blue Rising Solar Tide is fine in Prism. Um, oh, I love that card right now so much. You can reveal it for Minimalism yeah, yeah. or sorry, for uh, Belittle. And then you move and then like move into the hero that's like, or you're seeing a bunch of Bolton cards, you're seeing a bunch of Prism cards, where it's like, if I feel like if I sit in the Shadow Generics and then I move into Levio or Chain, I feel like, Jesus Christ, these Shadow cards that I was sitting on are just, like, terrible. Um, Hmm. But I think also, broadly, I just don't... 
like. I, I'm not good at drafting Levio Chain either. Um, or compared to my friends, like I feel like my problem with my Levia decks is they can never get over the finish line. And the problem with the chain decks is I am really bad at doing the value assessment of how much should I block versus how much should I just take damage to come back in for damage. Mm-hmm. And I find I often get put into the, like the life checkmate too early, where like a herald's coming in and I need to block two cards, but because I need to block two cards, I can't do the full combo at the end. When if you have better life management during the game, you don't get the checkmate as fast, so you can actually just like take a herald and, like then do the combo. Too. Yeah, um, there's definitely like a tricky balancing act, and it kind of depends. I think one of the hardest things about chain is not only needing to manage your pitch stack and make sure that you can kill them, but like what you said, like manage that life total and kind of evaluate like my opponent's hitting me really hard, so I don't have as much of a chance to work on my pitch stack and I need to just play more efficiently versus like my opponent's giving me all the space in the world, so I really need to make sure that my last turn's very good. Yeah, I'm excited for the new set that's gonna come out like i'm excited like there's gonna be a new draft set after um probably nats so like that's exciting i'm excited i I think generally the draft sets are pretty good recently like i thought uprising was like good all things considered and i think um uh outsiders was i think excellent uh outsider was sweet there were so many cars in the set where it was, like, so underrated, which shouldn't have been underrated at all. Yeah, it felt like it was, like... I don't know, I feel like I like that set because we really went on, like... We went really did the full, like, 180 from, like, Ranger good to Ranger unplayable to actually Ranger good sometimes. We thought Azalea, <laughs> Azalea started as, like... Azalea started as, like, you should just never, ever, ever draft Azalea. And by the end, like, I top-rated my RTN by playing Azalea twice. Um, like that's super sick, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I like. I don't know. I like playing Flesh and Blood right now. I'm, I'm liking playing Constructed. I'm a little frustrated with Bolton, but like that's the life. <laughs> oh, I fuck! I gotta send you that list, Yuki. Sorry, that's my bad. No worries. I just like had a crazy week. It's okay. Oh, I passed my I passed my remedial tax law exam. Oh, sweet! Congratulations. Ooh, congrats! I don't need to fucking think about Canadian tax law again in my life. Incredible, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna graduate on time, which is super exciting. Thanks. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Um, I have not solved the drama issue yet, Yuki. For Bolton. It's ongoing. I see. Yeah, it does sound hard. It might just be unsolvable. I don't know. I'm only one man. Yeah, it seems like the deck is just like very fundamentally problematic for you because you need them. You often need them to block to get go again, but then you need to hit their dragons. And then even if they do block you, they have all these three block non attack actions. It's just kind of. There's a part of me that's like, could I just jam 12 poppers in here and be aggressive and see what happens? I have to do a bunch of testing. I mean, I like it into everyone who isn't drama. I have to do that. Wait, 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 wait. Eric, have you... Wait, Wolton's a warrior. Have you tried the uh, Dorenthia weapon? The Dawnblade? Dawnblade? Doesn't that trigger the uh, counters every time you kill a dragon? No, you need to hit <laughs> twice. What? <laughs> the second time you hit. So the, the whole thing is that you can like hit a dragon, hit a dragon, get a counter, hit a dragon, hit a dragon, get a counter, and then you get this gameplay loop of like hit a dragon, attack you, you need to block yeah. it, or I get more counters. But 
Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the problem for both. Oh. Um, that's what I'm finding. Like, the, like I can actually kill the dragons. It's the Ashwings of the problem. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of the um, same problem as Lexi. Yeah, so I think... I don't know. Right now, like, Ian and I are, like, our current, like, stance is, like, draw my best deck. Every deck we test has to be at least okay versus draw mine for us to even start considering it. Draw my uh, best deck. Interesting. I think so. I think we just sort of feel that, like, we played a bunch of Azuri in a draw my, and we feel like it's really hard for the Azuri player. What about Lexi? We did play a bunch of Dromai and Alexi, and our takeaway was that we felt like this matchup was, like, slightly Dromai favored before, um, like, maybe 55-45, and now that golf has just increased. That and also, the Lex like, one of our other takeaways was we were playing decks, and we were just like, oh, I we just get, like, five sideboard slots back because we don't have to play against Oldham anymore. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. And we just get to play, like, more defense reacts. Like, we can play, like, a, a play set of sand covers in good faith now. Um, and the lack of bullseyes just meant that, like, the drill mines were just fatiguing Lexi out, like, every time. Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. So that was kind of our takeaway, was like, okay, so if drill mines good against Lexi and good against Azuri, we'll have to figure something out. I think there are decks that are good against it. Like, I think Katsu, for example, while not a buy, is still, like, good into drill mine. Yeah. Um, this and is really I, good. I think... Visra is really good, and I also think that one of the heroes that might be worth looking at post-Lexi losing Bullseyes is Bravo again. Yeah, I could see that. Um, because Bravo was worse for Dromai than old him. Uh, like, many Dromai, that many Dromai players I spoke to would not did, thought that Bravo was a lot harder than Dromai because of the Dominate. Um, maybe that's not true. I don't know. But I still think it's good. Like, I think it's at least as hard as old him used to be for you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. We just want some one of you to uh, solve the format so I can just net deck you guys. Fine, I mean... I want Eric I think... to solve the format so I can net deck him even though he's not playing. <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Eric. Wait, you, me, Eric? You. I'm, I'm playing in Vegas. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, guys, yeah. I think we talked enough uh, for the sign-off, so we're just gonna end it here. All right, good night, guys.